How's it going, everybody? And welcome to the Mentors Collective on Entrepreneurship. Today's episode, I have a very special guest for you. He is a CPA, and we are going to be digging into one of the banes of my existence when it comes to business, and that is finance and accounting. Uh, luckily, my partner's very into it, but I hate the living hell out of it, but I know that it can come back and butt you in the butt if you don't get it right. So with that being said, I have a master's degree in taxation, CPA on board. He specifically deals with entrepreneurs, freelancers, and small businesses, taxes and finances, and we're very lucky to have him. George Burrell, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's uh, some crazy times right now, so hopefully we can provide some pretty valuable information to our audience. Absolutely. And it is crazy times. I know for my businesses alone, you know, we've gone through all kinds of roller coasters, ups and downs, applied for everything that the government throws out, got some, didn't get some. And I know a lot of people are in a very similar position. And really, there's not many resources, any free resources on how to stay up to date, what's going on with everything, what the status quo is. So hopefully we can put some of those queries to rest on this episode. So with that being said, let's let's start with the hot topic of the quarter, I guess, which is COVID relief. Small businesses across the country are going out of, out of business, across the world even. And our government has put some measures into place and pass several bills to try and get those small businesses relief. And I am not going to do the intricacies of this relief justice. So if you wouldn't mind stepping in and just discussing a little bit about what our government has tried to do, what they have done, and what seems to be the result of those efforts. First of all, let me preface it by saying that it's an evolving topic because the it seems the Congress and the laws are changing weekly, but essentially what they've done is there's three main programs and I'll kind of touch on each one of them and you can ask me what questions you have about each of them. The one that everybody, the most popular is the PPP, Payroll Protection Program. That's the big one. That's the one that actually just got changed a week ago again. It was essentially meant to protect wages and keep companies from laying off people by giving them loans. And then as long as you use 75% of the loan amount, the loan was forgiven by the government. They just recently changed that to now you only have to use 60% of the loan amount for, for wages. So they're making it more flexible. So that's the big one. You have a 24-week period. It, previously, it was an eight-week period to keep the payroll going. So they extended that. The interest rate is still 1%. So it's an extremely low interest loan. That's why a lot of these big businesses, I've, I'm sure you heard on the news, all these big businesses like Harvard University and a lot lot of franchisees were taking these loans that didn't even really need them because yep. it was such a low interest rate. It was below market interest rate, but they took a lot of bad press. So a lot of those companies have paid it back. That's the big one. You can still use some of the proceeds to pay rent, to pay like utilities and things like that, but 60% of it has to go to for payroll and payroll taxes. So that's the big one. The next one is the EIDL, Economic Injured Disaster Relief Loan. That's a program that was administered by the SBA that was already in existence. That's a smaller one. The, I, the maximum loan amount on that is 15000 And that one is you, the number of employees you had. Like if you had three employees, 3000 of it would have been forgivable as long as you didn't lay anybody off. So that's the that's a smaller one. It's been harder to get that one. Initially, it was stated that if you got one, you couldn't get the other. They just combined. I've had clients that have gotten both. So we'll see how that evolves too. But yeah, some 
some clients have got both and they haven't been combined. So the legislation is in general was just knee-jerk legislation for both of these programs. That's why they're constantly involving because Congress didn't really know what was going on and they just pushed it out without thinking about it. And then the third option, this is more towards like solopreneurs, is to apply for unemployment, the pandemic pandemic unemployment relief. And that's you just apply through your state unemployment agency. The maximum weekly benefit is $469, I believe. That's at least what it is where most of my clients are in Nevada. So that's just, you just go online and apply through through your state unemployment agency. And it's it's intended for gig workers like Uber drivers and, and the like who have just seen like a huge drop off in their business. So that's probably the least restrictive. And of course it's unemployment, so it doesn't have to be paid off. Yeah, that's great. I know a couple of my family members actually got unemployment. Me and my partner tried to file because obviously it was open to entrepreneurs. So we all got really mm-hmm. excited and, and gave it a shot. I couldn't even get into the website. I, I tried for weeks on end. I had to do like a social security reset that wasn't working. There's no one to call. So I actually mailed in a paper form and still haven't heard back. I imagine that's where a lot of people kind of stand. <laughs> It's a, yeah, like, yeah, that is that is um, the state that I'm most familiar with, Nevada. I think they had over 400,000 people apply within. They opened it up about a week ago, actually about two weeks ago, and they've had 400 over 400,000 people apply. And the population of, of Nevada in the metro area is only about like I think it's 1.5 or maybe 2 million. So oh man, that's a huge percentage yeah, of third people of who are trying to get in on that. Yeah. But I mean, it's good. Anybody that filed a schedule C is considered self-employed. So really, if you, if you see a drop in revenues and you filed a a schedule C on either 2018 or 2019, then you can apply. Yeah. A lot of my clients, they haven't actually heard back as well. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with that, but there's going to be a huge, huge demand for that. Yeah. And it's a crazy thing because I mean, the government's trying to get businesses money as fast as possible so that they don't go out of business and they can continue to pay people as businesses are at a standstill. And I applied for everything. I would say in the first week, all three of the things you're talking about, I didn't see money until today. And I'm the first of my friends to see any money. And that was the uh, IEDL, the IDL the disaster relief loan. Did get approved for PPP, but again, that's still on its way. I think I've signed three contracts that they've emailed over and I only just saw the amount, but it's crazy. I mean, I I can imagine that a lot of businesses are struggling to keep things afloat while they wait for this money. Yeah, that's true. That's interesting that you didn't, that you got the EIDL money and then you say you're approved for the PPP. Because initially that it, you, they were supposed to be combined, you couldn't get both. But so like I, I, I say, may have applied through different a, companies. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, it's just such a free for all right now. The system or the way it's set up right now, it's it's ripe for abuse. So there's, I think there's a lot of businesses that actually do need it, but there's a lot of business I think you're, that are going to end up just abusing it and getting money and expecting not to have it be paid back. So we'll see what happens. I think a year from now, the media is going to look at these programs and just completely show what like a failure it was because it was just knee-jerk legislation to try and prop up the economy when I think some of it wasn't necessary. A lot of it was, but it, it will definitely be abused. So it'll be interesting to see how, yeah, how it gets I, reported. I agree with you. I'm looking forward to the uh, the flashbacks at what, what a nightmare this actually has been. So a couple of questions about what we just discussed. 
The big one for the PPP loan, obviously you said 60% of that has to go towards wages and freelancers mm-hmm. and solopreneurs can apply for this, assuming that you have like, I guess, contractors and employees so they continue paying the contractors and stuff. Can those mm-hmm. wage wages include your own salary? That's a good question. The way wages work when you're a, a solopreneur or a freelancer is you either file as like a sole proprietor where you file a schedule C and you're not considered an employee, therefore you don't get a W-2. In that case, I don't think they've really thought about it because I've never seen any an answer to that. And I've had a lot of people ask me that question. So what I tell them is just to use your net profit as your wages. And I think they'll be fine because there's there's nothing in the the legislation right now that says you can't do that. But if you're a somebody who's formed like an S corporation, which is a separate legal entity, then you pay yourself wages like W-2 wages, which is what you're required to do when you form an S corp. Then yeah, of course, you're you're definitely considered an employee. So Got it. yeah, there's there's a lot of uncertainty with that too. But what I, like I said, what I tell people is just use your net and when they're applying for unemployment as well, just use your net profit as your wages and you should be fine. Cool. Yeah. And uh, this is tricky grounds for, for me to navigate to. I'm not sure. Yeah. D- 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 does my own salary count towards those wages? And then, then there's the other expenses. Obviously, luckily PPP allows you to use it towards living expenses, rent, utilities, and several other you know, essential things that you know, cover your living. But it's a very interesting loan. Very, very interesting loan. And we'll, yeah. we'll see what happens with that. Quick question. Did you, when you sure. applied for that, did you apply as an individual and are you legally liable individually or did you apply through your business? I applied through, through business a business. Entity? Did they make you sign as an individual though, as far as taking on liability for it? Or? Yes. Okay. All right. Yeah, that's that's what most of my clients have had to do as well. Yep. So, so we'll see when when that hits. So for people who applied for the PPP loan, I guess you have a lot of clients who are probably uh, on standby mode as well. What do you tell them to expect in terms of uh, waiting and, and what's going on? I don't know. I have clients that have been waiting for over two months. So you just you keep hounding your lender that you that you applied through it's it's all done through private lenders so the ppp it's easy just to keep hounding them and then try and get an answer from them the eidl that's done through the sba so that's a government agency of course you're not going to be able to get through to them so you yeah. for that you just you just wait just like you have to do for unemployment you you just you're at their mercy but luckily the the ppp is done through private private lenders so it's a little the customer service is a lot better. So it's easier to get a response. Yeah, um, I've noticed yeah, that too. Just keep hounding them. Yeah. Got it. And so it's a waiting game. Everyone's, everyone out there, be patient and, and do your best. Uh, the money hopefully is coming. Hang in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, with that being yeah. said, that, that was super helpful. And obviously that's the hot topic of the moment. But again, I guess there's, there's not much information out there for people who have applied or in the waiting game. There's not much to do. You're, you're at their mercy. You said it as, as right as I can imagine. Yeah, that's, I was just going to say that's what happens when the government just has a knee-jerk reaction to something like this pandemic that they're not used to dealing with. You just get really horribly, poorly written legislation. So, Yeah, you know, yeah, you can't even a, blame them. You've got 40 million people unemployed, government-regulated quarantine. This is just the consequence. Yeah of all of this. Yeah, you're right. On another note, let's change gears and let's talk about entrepreneurs who might be starting their businesses now and some of the things that they should be doing to get their taxes and get their finances right, right from the start so that they don't have to face any of the uh, consequences of being several years down the road and all of their, their books are a disaster and they face an audit and everything's 
everything's screwy. So from the get-go, someone wants to start a business, say it's one or two guys. I know every business that I've ever started has either been an LLC or a, a partnership, which I guess is a, a form of an LLC. And I only have a very surface understanding of this stuff. I've also started a, a nonprofit organization, a corporation. But where's a good place to start for new and upcoming entrepreneurs? That's a really good question. And I get that a lot. And I'll give you the, I get that a lot from friends too. I'll give you the answer that I, that I tell friends and, and family members. When you're starting a business, I see a lot of people, they spend all this money forming a, an entity, setting up a payroll. Some people spend up to like two grand getting, trying to get trademarks and everything. And what I tell my friends and family is open a bank account Start collecting revenue, and once you get over like $2,000 a month, come to me and I can do everything you need to do after the fact. Because it's just, I get so many people that they get all excited. They try and they have up this business idea. They spend all this money setting up the entity, getting everything, and then they don't have product market fit. They haven't figured that out or they haven't even found a market for what they're selling or the service they're providing. And they end up just wasting it. The business never goes anywhere and they've wasted a thousand, two thousand, sometimes $3,000. So I tell them just to open a bank account, start collecting revenue. I guess the official answer of what you would tell like a client that came into you is you should probably set up an entity for personal liability protection purposes. And also once you start making over about 20 or $30,000 a year, if you don't have an entity, you're going to be taxed with, with self-employment, which is an additional 14%. So if you set up an entity and structure it properly, you can usually cut that in half at least. So in the long run, that's what every business person should do. Set up either an S corp or a partnership and structure it to the point so so that you're not having to pay self-employment taxes and then as you get bigger and bigger there's other implications with tax that you need consulting on but yeah that's kind of the the two answers i have awesome and yeah my, my kind of recipe every time i start a new business is i go on sunbiz.org and i make i sign up for the llc it's like a couple hundred bucks uh, mm -hmm. sign up for an ein number using that llc document number that's the tax ID number from the government. And then you yeah. then take those two items, you bring them to the bank, you have a business checking account, and then boom, you're good <laughs> as far as a yeah, new business. exactly. You've got the perfect formula worked out. And then once you start making money, then you form a relationship with a CPA and you can, you can structure it going forward. But yeah, you just do the bare minimum and start c collecting revenue and then go from there. Cause like I say, everything can be done after the fact. Absolutely. And lucky for me, my father is a CPA and he's been very generous with his time, but not everyone has that, uh, has that relationship. So that's awesome. You should definitely find a oh, CPA. Yeah. I still don't know how to do my taxes. Everything in the world that I've learned and I still don't do my own taxes, which I'm kind of ashamed of. That's actually good. You shouldn't be doing your own taxes. <laughs> That's a, a big part of our business. We get people who there's so much information out there. They think they can do it themselves. They think they can form the entity. They don't file the proper papers with the IRS and they do it wrong and they end up wasting like however much they're making an additional five or 6,000 in taxes. Sometimes I have clients come to me that have overpaid because they didn't structure it properly. Once you start making money and actually have profits, you definitely want to get in touch with the CPA to guide you.
So you've optimized your your CPA. You're in a good situation. I appreciate that. I think it might be time for an upgrade soon with everything that's been going on. But yeah, like my mentor said, don't cheap out on a lawyer and don't cheap out on a CPA. Those two people are going to save you money in the long run. That's, oh yeah, uh, for sure. <laughs> that's yeah. huge. Yeah, um, I get clients all the time that I can that I save a lot of money. So it makes me happy, but they're not too happy about it. That's the end goal, right? Is is save your client money. You're you're paying for somebody to save you money. And if you hire the right guy, they're they're gonna they're gonna do it. And it's one of the only things you can really say about that. Like, <laughs> drop that line that you're you're paying them to actually save you money in the long run. So worth every oh, yeah. single dime. Yeah, and and I always spell out exactly how how much money we're we're saving you versus how much we're charging you. And it's it's very rare that whatever we charge isn't at least like a third of what we save them. So yeah, and that's pretty happy. That's yeah. barring any nightmares happening in their future if they didn't hire you, like a, an audit or something horrible. I, I haven't had to deal with any of that, luckily. I'm knocking on wood right now, but you never know. The other question that I had for you, you mentioned S-Corps. Can you give us a, a one-minute breakdown of what an S-Corp is and why a small business owners should be aware of them? An S-Corp is actually, you, fi- you file the, corporate, the corporate charter with whatever state you're in, or you can do it with the, in any state. Right now, the popular state is either Nevada or Wyoming. But an S-Corp is really just an election with the IRS for the corporation that with, that you have formed. So you elect S-Corporation status, which essentially makes your corporate entity not taxable and all the income flows through to the owners personally. So with a corporation, corporation subject to corporate income tax. And then if you have the owners, when they get dividends, those dividends are subject to taxation. So if you form a corporation, you're essentially paying double tax. So the government to remedy that for small businesses, and you have to have less than 500 owners to be an S corporation, they created the S corp status where it's essentially treated like a partnership and the income doesn't, isn't taxed at the corporate level, it flows through to the individual. So, and then one step above that is you're required to pay yourself a reasonable wage as an owner, which is extremely subjective. So say you're an S corporation that the the net profit in the corporation was 100,000 and you paid yourself a salary of 50,000. And that salary that you pay is subject to FICA and Medicare you pay 50%, which is roughly 7%, and then the corporation pays 50%, which is roughly 7, 7%. With S corporations, the, the wages of the 50,000 would be subject to that 15%, but the other 50,000 of net profit would flow through to you, but would not be subject to self-employment tax, if that makes sense. Interesting. I actually didn't know that. What is the downside of, a, of an S corp versus an LLC? The LLC is taxed as a partnership. And you can actually even elect, for an LLC, you can even elect S-Corp status too. But normally an LLC is taxed as a partnership. See, the IRS only recognizes three types of businesses. They recognize corporations, they recognize partnerships, and they recognize sole proprietors. All these LLCs and professional LLCs, they're what the IRS calls a disregarded entity. So they default to either a partnership if there's more than one member or a sole proprietorship if there's only one member. So back to your original question, an S-Corp, the excess earnings beyond what your reasonable wages were aren't subject to that additional 15% self-employment tax, whereas a partnership, a, a partnership files a 1065, the earnings of that flow through to you and they are subject to the additional self-employment tax, which is 15%. So 
S corporation is, is in 90% of the cases, the preferred entity to file with the IRS. Interesting. Is that a special filing or designation that you have to elect? And is there any? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You have to elect it. You have till the second month of the, of the tax year to elect it. It's easy to elect. You just fill out a couple forms and send them to the IRS and you get a confirmation. And then from then on, you're treated as an S corp. You're not treated as a corporation or a partnership. Oh, I'll be doing um, that in January for all of my businesses. That is very yeah, exciting. I wouldn't be surprised if you're, you say your father's a CPA. I wouldn't really be surprised if he's already done that for you. Yeah, no, it's um, possible. That's a great thing for me to talk to him about. If if he hasn't, I'm gonna I'm gonna yell at him for sure. Yeah, no, CPAs. That's that's pretty standard operating procedure for them to do for their clients. So awesome. Uh, so that's yeah, super we, helpful. We, yeah, a lot of our business comes from that converting customers who thought they could do it themselves and just didn't understand the law, and then they file their taxes. They have a fifteen thousand dollar tax liability. They don't know why. So they come to us and we can't do it after the fact, but going forward, we can, we can fix it and save them thousands. So, yeah. So January, February comes around. This is what entrepreneurs should do. Yes, exactly. If they haven't done it yet. Yeah. Talk to your accountant, get that S corp status. That's yeah. I I look for little gold, gold nuggets in each episode that we're going to highlight and and really uh, give back to the, to the listeners. And that's definitely one Mm -hmm. of them. So thank you for sharing that. Sure. Uh, yeah. I mean, that, that's accounting 101. Any C, that's almost considered malpractice for a CPA not to tell a customer to do that. Yeah, you'd think um, so. That's one of the perks yeah. of your father, I guess. <laughs> Maybe he probably just yeah. did it without yeah, ever educating sure, I, I would imagine he did. Yeah. Anyways, uh, changing yeah. gears again, new businesses. And this is something that we're still struggling with, which is bookkeeping. I know a lot of accountants don't do the bookkeeping. That's just, uh, and bookkeeping is kind of just going through all the transactions and categorizing them and reconciling them. Where would mm-hmm. you suggest a good place to start is for sole proprietors, entrepreneurs, and uh, small business owners to to start and kind of live in their, in their bookkeeping routines? If they're just like a sole proprietor and making like under a hundred thousand in revenue they can probably do most of it themselves so the bookkeeping industry is in major fluctuation right now it used to be like a you could go to a mom and pop cpa and get bookkeeping service but now it's it's all going online it's going virtual there's there's companies like TurboTax that has well, Intuit that, that has QuickBooks, there's Zero. There's a company that I really like called Less Accounting. They're all just online bookkeeping software that you can do it yourself. It integrates with your with your bank account. You code the expenses and then it usually spits out a report every month or every quarter, depending on how you set it up. That's probably the first step. And then if you get bigger, there's actual virtual CPA or virtual bookkeeping firms like Bench is one of them. And then there, there's a lot of of others. I can't think of any off the top of my head right now, but uh, once you get to that level, you're probably over a hundred thousand in revenue and you need somebody that can do like a, a more thorough reconciliation of your banking activity. That's kind of the the way that industry is evolving. So the days of the mom and pop bookkeeper where you can just go to your main street and walk in and hand them uh, 12 months worth of bank statements is pretty much over. Well, thank God for that because I, I hate numbers. 
I've been doing my yeah. own bookkeeping. On, we use Wave. It's a, a free platform that's evolved a lot over the past couple of years. And yeah, I that, Quick, yeah, QuickBooks. I've heard of that one. Yeah, I, yeah. I like QuickBooks, but it's it's like seventy bucks a month for what we what Wave does for free, and it's actually yeah. a, a cleaner uh, user interface. So I mean, yeah, like you said, it's evolving very quickly and very well. It's amazing what the software can do. How diligent yeah. uh, would you say that? small businesses need to be with their bookkeeping? And have you seen anything bad happen with uh, improper bookkeeping? Again, it just depends on how big you are. If you're if you're a smaller single person shop, you can do it. A lot of people that are in that, the single person under a hundred grand in revenue, they tend to mix their business account with their personal account. So say they're, they'll be out taking a client out to dinner and they'll accidentally pay with their personal instead of their business card. Unless they go back and reconcile both accounts, they tend to miss a lot of expenses when they do stuff like that. So I think that's the big the big thing that the, that small business people should watch out for is, is creating a clear path between your personal expenses and your business expenses. Yep. And I've been guilty of that several times over. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and this episode, I would love to ask you to share some of your top three financial mistakes that you see your clients and new entrepreneurs making. And then also a couple of your top golden nuggets for them to take away from this, whether it be bookkeeping, software, accounting hacks, like we just shared with the S Corp, or just some simple financial tricks. The top three mistakes I would say are things we've kind of already touched on, but just being diligent or having a program or a setup to where you can track all the expenses you make. Because as a, as a solopreneur, you're not to the point where you need like a full a full scale bookkeeping system so you need to make sure you have a a system down to track everything throughout the year and even with mileage and there's a lot of apps you can use an app that i recommend a lot is taxbot where you can track your expenses you can take a picture of like if say you're out with a client you can take a picture of the receipt and it'll log it in. And then you can also track your mileage. So setting up a, a good system, there's a, there's a lot of software for that that helps is, is probably the biggest mistake. And another mistake is once you start making over like 20 or 30,000 a year, you're going to get killed with self-employment taxes. So if you're not properly structured and have an elected S corporation status, then you're just wasting, you're throwing away a lot of money that you shouldn't be. So establishing a relationship with a, uh, with a CPA, get good consulting to where you can know exactly how you need to be structured. That's kind of what our my virtual platform is set up for. We make it really easy for a solopreneur to establish a relationship with a CPA. It's all done virtually. It's way more efficient and it's a lot cheaper. So that's another mistake. And then I would say with the within this current current environment with the pandemic, not being flexible in serving your customers which means you should probably be setting up a system to where you can interact. If you're a service provider, where you can interact with your customers, nobody knows really how long this is going to go on. This may be the new norm. We don't know yet. So establishing a protocol or regime to where you can interact with your customers remotely, I think that's a big something that a lot of these solopreneurs need to really focus on. I mean, if you're some, if you're in like the travel industry, obviously that doesn't work, but if you're in like the professional services industry, like tax accounting or, or legal, there's a tremendous amount of stuff you can do to, to set that up. So 
I think that's another thing people need to be focused on. So the last one I wanted to end with was some golden nuggets of information for, for new entrepreneurs out there in terms of their finances and accounting, just like the S Corp. If you have anything else like that of enormous value, would love for you to share. There's a tremendous amount of, this is just with anybody, of, of tricks that a CPA can help you with. Like you can actually hire your children and pay your children as long as they actually do services for you, like clean up or I don't know, do marketing or reconcile the books, whatever. You can actually hire your children. And because you're in a much higher tax bracket than your children would be, you can get the deduction and they, they'll, be, they'll, they'll be tax-free. And you can do that depending on how many children you have. You can, I've saved clients over like three or $4,000 just telling them to do that. That's what benefit, I should say, is of working with the CPA. You get little tricks like that. There's another trick that CPAs use where you can actually, if you have a corporation, you can rent your house out to the corporation for less than 14 days a year and get the deduction on the corporation side and not have to pick up the income on the personal side. So say you own a corporation and you need to have monthly or quarterly corporate meetings. You can find out the market value of your house using like a platform like Airbnb, have the corporation pay you personally the value of that for renting it for one day and get a get a deduction for that. So that's another trick that I've saved a lot of customers. Wow, those are awesome. Especially the hiring yeah. of children. That's very interesting. We'll love to talk to you a little bit more about that afterwards. Yeah. Already. But yeah, on that note, that that's an awesome way to end and really appreciate all the, uh, the wisdom that you've shared in terms of uh, finances and accounting. And for anybody who, out there who's interested in hiring an accountant or has some general tax questions about their business or their finances, George is on gettaxhub.com at gettaxhub on social media. I'll be linking all of his socials in the description and caption of this podcast episode. So please reach out to him. He is an awesome CPA and we'll definitely be working with you in the future. George, thank you so much for, for being, a, being an awesome guest for me today. Yeah, thanks a lot. And just one, one quick shout out or a plug for myself. Just go to our website and you can book a free five-minute CPA chat. You can just establish a, a relationship that way. It's, it's no obligation, no cost. You just go to the website, book a time, and myself or another CPA can call you and answer any quick questions you have. That's huge. Thank you for offering that to the listeners. That, that's awesome. Thanks again, George. Yep. All right. Thanks a lot. Have a great day. And Mentors Collective, we'll see you on the next episode. Thank you so much for watching this episode of The Mentors Collective. This is Dr. Jay Feldman, and I just wanted to take a moment to thank you so much for your support and also ask you for a little bit more. If you can take the next 10 seconds and write us a review on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify, just let me know your feedback. It means the world to me. Again, thank you for watching. If you love this episode, please share it with your friends, share it with your family. Until next time.